This is the WTRE Podcast with your hosts, Realtors, Aaron and Melody. Welcome to Real Estate. All right. Welcome to Real Estate. We are here today with my old friend, John Morenci. What's up, John? Hey, how are you doing, Aaron? Good, man. Good. So, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a while and we haven't. And I'm glad that we finally are. Um, we get on this topic, you know, that this podcast kind of started when I got a real estate license and I went, okay, I got my license. I went to school. I'm doing this. Uh, what do I do now? Right. And I didn't know. No idea what I do now. Yeah. You go hook up with a broker and then, then what? Then you make lots of money, right? Instant millionaire. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you hope so, but no. So that's, that's when I'm like, okay, so there's gotta be other new agents out there somewhere that are having that same question in their head. They're the same, what do I do now kind of thing. So, you know, you gave me the piece of advice. You introduced me to a great guy, um, you know, who I, I really like a lot. He's a great, great guy. Um, not really, it's not really a mentor type relationship. I don't really work with him, but he introduced me to the brokerage where I landed. And I landed with Keller Williams, and I'm glad that I did, um, mostly because of the training, you know. But I talked to several Keller Williams brokerages before I got going, and this is the one that kind of felt like home, you know. And it, it's more the collection of people at that particular brokerage than it is the system. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I want to thank you for that. So in, that introduction to uh, to Steve really kind of put me in a good place. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, you know what you said is so important. Um, this, you know, if you take this job seriously, this kind of becomes like this is your family. This is the people that that you're going to learn from for good or for bad, and. I, I find that a lot of new realtors make the mistake and want to join the most flashiest team. They want to, you know, um, join where their friends go. And, and, and I, would, I would challenge people, just like any serious relationship you're going to get into, you need to study the people. Yeah. You need to study and understand because there's good out there, but it might not be right for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's just a vibe that I got. Um, in all of the offices. And I went with the one that was the most comfortable. Right. You know, and, and we've had the conversation in the past. Um, you know, do you stick with a Keller Williams? I, yeah, I feel like I pay them a lot. Sometimes I feel like I pay them too much. Um, I'm fortunate that I, I have had some success in this and I've made enough that, you know, I've, I've kind of hit their cap, paid them their full amount. And then everything I get is a hundred percent, which is great. But, you know, you start that over every year and it's, you know, there's some give and take. Am, am I, am I paying that money every year to be part of that system? No, not really. Not really. Um, you know, we can get into it in a minute, but some of the things that people that I see new agents getting caught up in there, um, they do offer something every single day. And I think the people that take advantage of that every single day, are never going to go out and sell houses because they still have zero transactions. They're not doing anything except going to all these classes every single day. And they're in all these programs every single day. And there's a point that you got to get out of the program and go sell some houses, right? I remember when I was uh, growing up, one of my best friends, his sister was the bookworm. 
and that she went to school, graduated honors, went and got her master's degree, then she went to become a chiropractor, and then she went to get her law degree. And I remember it was 15, 20 years later, it's like, when is she going to go to work? Right. <laughs> you, right. you know, at some point in time, like you said, you know, enough with the classes. You got you got to get some work done. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, Steve had a, a little analogy that he told me there early on. And what that was is that, you know, you and I go swimming, right? Neither one of us really know how to swim, but we go swimming. And you can read books about swimming and you can listen to people talk about swimming and you can listen to swimmers talk all day long and you can study everything there is to know about the pool and the water and swimming or you can just jump in and start kicking and flailing your arms and try not to drown and you know what you're going to swim at some point right but you got to jump in the pool exactly right and and that's that's what it is there's a lot of people that are afraid to jump in the and pool and there you go it's, i was going to say the exact same thing it's the same concept some people don't know how to take that first step, but yeah. most people are afraid to take that first step. There, yeah. um, um, there is no magic. Guess what? I'm a realtor, and everyone's going to come and give you business. Yeah, you, you got to go out every single day, and and earn it. Build relationships. That's the key. And you're, it's great to build relationships with other realtors, but unless they're going to be listing their home with you, those aren't the people that you need to concentrate your relationships yeah. on. So let's back up a little bit and, um, you know, talk about you. So you, um, you're in training and development with Perry Homes. Yes, I am. And you've been with Perry Homes for quite a while now. Yep. Just coming up to six year anniversary, six year anniversary. And you're in sales for the first four of it, five of it. Yep. So tell us about what you're doing now. Well, now, um, I get to take all that knowledge that, uh, from trial and error that I learned as a salesperson. And, uh, my job is to shrinking the growing curve for the new salespeople. Um, I, I always tell people I was not necessarily the greatest salesperson, but I was a student of my work. I looked and I always analyzed what worked, what didn't work, and try to duplicate it. And not just in what I did, but I took a lot of what the other top sales professionals were doing and able to duplicate and make that. So now I get paid to go help people to be able to go teach people what I've learned through my own trial and error. And it's a really fulfilling job. I, I, I love it. I think I was always meant to be a teacher. I just never understood that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I think there's a misconception with new home sales that you guys just kind of sit in the model home and all the business just comes to you, right? <laughs> like you don't ever have to go out and get any business. People just walk in the door and then you got sales. I think there's a misconception among a lot of sales professionals that that's all you have to do also. <laughs> and in many ways, it's very much like what we were just talking about with the realtor, you know, um, there, there is an advantage as a sales professional. If you're working for a good company, who's in a good neighborhood, you will have people that come in, but my mentality was always that those are the freebies. Yeah. If if you want to be a sales professional for a builder, you have to understand that you're basically signing up to give up your weekends. You're signing up to not be there when your kids are there in the hopes that you make enough money that the time that you spend together is going to be well worth it. The fact that you'll be able to pay off college and things like that. But that's never going to happen sitting in the office waiting for clients to come in. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, my phone doesn't ring. It's as simple as that. My phone doesn't ring. Right. I have to call. People. Right. 
<laughs> you know, I have to call on people. I have to go out and make those relationships. So, so let's talk about that, that thing that happens to these new agents that I see. And it's, I shake my head every day cause I see it on, you know, Facebook and agents that have started after me. There's agents that started before me that, you know, they went in and, you know, Keller Williams has that ignite program, which is great. And, and, you know, ignite, you go in and you learn probably, I don't know, 20 different things that you can do. And you're doing all 20 when you're in that program. But what you really need to do is find two that work for you right. and do those two. But you have to consistently do them. You know, the, the whole thing in this is treat it like it's a real job. It is. It's your business. It's your career. Treat it that way. Get up every day and go to work. And a lot of people just don't seem to want to get up every day and go to work. And getting up, going to the office and sitting in another class is not going to work. Um, you know, you guys are great. All the vendors that we have, whether it's a builder, whether it is, you know, a lender, whether it's an insurance company, whether it's, uh, you know, some home warranty company, inspectors, whoever it might be, I could go to a lunch Every single day. Every single day, Every buddy. single day. I could probably go to two or three lunches every single day. I could go to... And some of y'all do. And well, yeah. You ever look at their productivity, the ones that do? Yep. You know, it's... Okay, so you want to develop a relationship with the builder. That's great. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of the builders in the area. I know most of them. And the reason that I think I know them is because I've brought clients to them to look at these homes and develop relationships that way. And I'm pretty sure as a builder, you'd rather develop a relationship that way than through the, uh, the free lunch every day. You, you know who I'm looking for when, 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 I'm in the, when I'm in a sales model? I want that new realtor who's going to come and visit me on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, not when I necessarily have an event. Right. And I want them to come, hey, I'm brand new at this business. Um, I love this neighborhood or I love your product. Teach me. Yeah. That that's who I want. Yeah. I want the person who wants to understand what we do differently, what positions this neighborhood differently than any other neighborhood. Right. Because that is the person who's gathering knowledge because they want to go give it. And and there's a there's a couple of, you know, different quotes that that we can think of, build it and they will come. I find just last night, I was talking to one of my sales professionals. Um, it was yesterday afternoon, actually, and she was walking. She just moved into a new neighborhood. She was walking one of our inventory homes, which is what we tell them: go study, go understand, see where the sun comes in, see you know what what designs that we put in it. And and she was texting me, asking me questions: Is this how we do this? Is does this normally go here? And had a great conversation. Two hours later, she calls me, and she says, "Guess what?" just had a client come in and everything that they told me led them to this house. All the questions that the client asked, we had just discussed these right. questions and I was able to answer them confidently. Right. When you are confident about the product as a realtor, when you are confident about the neighborhood as a realtor, then you're not selling anymore. You're just educating. That's exactly you, right. You got to do that before you have the client. Yeah. Well, we have to know our inventory. And we have to know these neighborhoods 
and we have to know the schools and we have to know everything else about them the same way. So yeah, you have to go and walk houses. You have to go and see what's on the market. You have to walk houses and you have to educate yourself. And that's a huge part of it. And we want to educate you. That's, that's the thing that you guys have so much on your plate. This is why we come, this is why we come to you guys and, and bring you lunch and do this because there's so much that, that you have to take care of to know. Well, we're just your encyclopedia. Right. I'm your Cross Creek Perry Homes encyclopedia. Right. You, you don't need to go figure everything out. Just come to the encyclopedia. You're, I'm your Google. Right. How, what, what's, what's your tax rate? What are your schools? How are they ranked? Um, what's going on over here? You, you don't have to go re-get that information when I already have it for right. you. Right, right. So, you know, talking about new homes... Houston is that area that, um, you know, I have investor clients and, and we talk and they want to, you know, I have a few that I have to educate that it's not a great flip market. Um, they think that they can pick something up cheap, put some money into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they watch too much TV <laughs> and they think that they're going to walk away with, you know, 50,000 in their pocket. And, and honestly, the way that our market is priced here in, in this area, you know, when you do find something for 150, and then it needs a hundred thousand dollars worth of work. Uh, it's worth two fifty. Right. Um, they want it to be worth three. Right. That works in other states and other markets. It doesn't work here. And on TV. And on TV. Right. And I think that one of the reasons that the market sits that way here is because of all the new home growth. Um, why would you want to buy that thirty-year-old home? Um, Put that much money into it see what that value is when here in houston you could just go buy and build your dream house for the same amount of money exactly right? right so i think that's what sets the market that way that's a big part of why the market is that way um but the market's changing here in houston it's changing everywhere it's changing slower here than it is in other places i think they're already starting to feel it in california they're starting to feel it in other places uh how are you feeling working for a builder these days, knowing that it's gonna slow down at some point, it's coming. You know, I work for a different builder, and this isn't, um, not trying to, uh, you know, pat my builder on the back, but um, my company's been in business for over 50 years and we're a privately held company, and why that's important is we don't have to answer to investors. Right. So like you said, they're, they're, you know, prices are only going up interest is only going up that's right you you know so with that said you're the same person who a year ago could afford to live in your neighborhood buy a brand new home in a neighborhood this year they may not be able to afford it because the the price of the home and the interest rates are, are higher we get that everyone gets that right um what ends up happening though is your larger companies because they have quarterly investors that they have to answer to they stop buying. They start. They stop taking down lot positions. But right. because we're privately owned, you know, we're able to get more aggressive in in these type of markets. Yeah. So, um, as a builder, we'll be okay. Okay. Right now, with that said, because the market is changing, maybe every one of our neighborhoods where we were selling. 30 homes, 40 homes, right. maybe we only sell 20. Okay. Not because we don't have the position, but again, the, the, the more expensive the home is, the less available buyers that, that you have. So, so 
what we have to do, what every builder needs to do. You're either gonna be the cheapest, the best service, or the best quality. Right. Right. And so it, the question is, which part of the market do you want to control? Yeah. And if it's going to be the cheapest, then this is a hard market for it. Right. Right. Yeah. I read an article this morning and uh, I think it was in Wall Street Journal and they were talking about Dallas and how this is already just north of Dallas. Right. And it's already starting to catch up with them. And there are builders who are sitting on so much inventory right now that a few of these neighborhoods north of Dallas are starting to look like Vegas in 2009. Yeah. And that's scary. The scary part is, is that the developers, they're, you, you know, it, I, I don't know if the mentality is where we're just, we, we got to get rid of it. So, yeah. or we got to make as much money as we can. Right. So the developers are charging more money and there are less um, builders who are, who are going to take it, you, right. you, you know? So, right. so yeah, that, that, you, you know, it, it's the, it, the, you know, from, from my view and I'm not an expert on this, but, but I do work in Dallas. There's a lot of California money who's come into the North Dallas area. There's right. a lot of, so people were moving in paying cash for these homes. And the more you pay cash, the higher they raise it. That's it. And so it's exactly what you're saying is like, well, now the prices are so high um, you, you know, you better go find some more California people. I saw that happen firsthand in uh, Central Oregon. Um, fell in love with that place. I had a, uh, a job that took me there in, I think, 2000. And I ended up in this kind of small city, Central Oregon, called Bend. And it was just this beautiful place. And it was relatively affordable at the time. And over those next few years, a l it was mostly Californians that were retiring and they were moving up there and they were building these massive homes because they could with whatever they cashed out of their small home in California. And they drove that market up to a point. And then I also went back and I saw it when it was at its peak and then I went back again and I saw it where they had overbuilt it and it couldn't sustain. Right. And I'm not afraid of Houston doing that, but um, you know, it could always happen. It could always, it could always happen. I, I think the greatest thing that probably happened to Houston was the 1980s. Yeah. When, when we the had, when we had the oil boom and then the oil bust. Yeah. I think for the most part as a city, we learned. Yeah. Now there's always going to be, you know, speculation, speculators who are always going to try to, you know, double down and, and stuff. But, and, and then the next thing that, that happened where I think a lot of people learned their lesson was, um, was the mortgage bust in, yeah. in you know, 2006, seven and eight. Um, I think that taught a lot of people things also, but well, well, has it, because I've, um, <laughs> have you seen some of these, these loans that they're writing these days? Yeah. I mean, it's coming back, yeah. man. It's coming back and it's scary. And I had a buyer two weeks ago that closed on a home that kind of took advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And it was a local bank. And they're trying to build up their mortgage uh, business, build right. up their mortgage portfolio. And all of a sudden, they're writing mortgages. And it's, you know, these developing neighborhoods, developing areas. Right. So I think that what you do is you kind of draw, put a point in the new neighborhood and then draw a five-mile radius. And if it's a quote unquote, lower income area within five miles, they're willing to write that note. Got it. Or if you move into a higher income neighborhood 
and you are in the lower 75% in okay. income, right? Well, so you move out to Fulcher and you're of an average income, mm -hmm. you're going to be in the lower 75%, right? right? I mean, Fulcher is one of the, what, top two or three zip codes in the United States right now. It's ridiculous. Wow, I didn't realize that. It's, it's unbelievable. I, top four, I know for sure. So those are really the only criteria. They're writing um, with a 640 credit score. 640 credit score. They're writing these um, at 3.75% interest. Wow. Uh, zero down. Give me the name of that bank. Uh, yeah, well, I'll share it with you later. Uh, zero down. No PMI. No origination costs. 30-year fixed, right? How many of those can they write effectively before they're in trouble when they all start to bust, right? Yeah. I mean, how many of those do they need to... How many of those can they sustain to foreclose? And stay in business. That's that's a great great question. Now, before I was with um, with Perry Homes, I was in banking, and um, my first job in banking, I worked for a great company called Wachovia. Yeah. Um, when they first came into the Houston market, and one of the ways that Wachovia came into the Houston market is they bought a company that was out of California called World Savings, right? Because okay. they had a huge book of business, right? Well, their huge book of business were exactly these type of loans, yeah. stated loans yeah. and this and that. And, you know, when the market happened, all that book of business killed Wachovia, yeah. which then was now Wells Fargo. Yeah, which yeah. was purchased by Wells Fargo. Exactly. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, they Wells Fargo and Wachovia were basically the same size banks right. and Wells Fargo got it for pennies on the dollar. So what what you're talking about now, I you know I don't really have a problem with it with the smaller banks. Sure. The problem is that just like anything else, these bigger banks will buy multiples of these, and then are right. we going to bail out these bigger banks right. when, 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 when it happens again? They're, they're, you know, it's supply and demand. They're trying to build up their business, their, 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 uh, their clientele, and and that's great. I, I just hope that they have someone who the more these get, the higher. The, the requirements are, are because you know and they need to yeah you and I know 640 3.750 down exactly that, that's that's I mean that's crazy number right there that's ridiculous <laughs> when when everything else is sitting a little bit over five and a quarter exactly right now. it's ridiculous exactly it's ridiculous and you know this particular client of mine had already gotten a pre-approval from you know a lender partner that I use and you know, this came up and I brought it back to that friend of mine, that lender partner that we have. And I said, Hey, you know, is, is this real? Is this real? That's the is first this question. Real? So first off, is it real? And secondly, I mean, you know, I, I want to bring you the business, but can you do anything with this? Can you come even close? He said, let me do a little digging. And then, you know, an hour later he goes, yeah, it's absolutely real. And no, I can't do anything <laughs> close to this. So, you know, those are out there. And just so that you know, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but maybe someone who who um, who's listening may not know this yet. They haven't had that lunch with the lender yet. Right. But the, the, the reason why some banks can do that is because most of your banks don't want to hold on to the paper. Right. So they're going to 
get the loan, and then they're going to sell it to Fannie right. or Freddie. Yeah, it's in the and secondary market it, almost immediately. Exactly yeah. right. But when you have these, you know, deals, they're underwriting it, they're keeping it, they're That's the it. ones holding on to it for a long time. Now, there's some strategy, like you said, you know, be the of this income, the house is worth this when it's really that, that the, and later on that they can sell it, but they're, they're holding all the risks. Right. You, you know, so, um, um, yeah, you, you, the, the, you know, there for a consumer point of view, why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you, why you wouldn't know? you? Yeah, that's, I mean, who would say no to that? Now, from from an economical point of view, it's scary because right. we don't want this to happen. Right. But as a consumer, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Time to go buy a new house. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, Houston seems to be doing great and people are still coming. Right. You know, I mean, we've been the fourth largest city in the United States for a very long time. It's projected, I think, three years from now, we're going to overtake Chicago. We'll be the third largest city. Right. Industry's still growing here. People are still coming here from jobs. You know, we, we held out the last crisis a little bit better than most. Right. I don't know how we're going to do with this one, but I have a good feeling about it. Right. Well, we can we can turn this subject to so many different yeah. politics. Everything it could, it could go a yeah. lot of places. It could go a lot of places, but we're gonna stick to real estate. I'm but sorry, it could go I don't a want lot to offend anyone. My first visit. That's it. Yeah, no, it, it could go a lot of places. Um, so you know, wrapping up, you're working with new agents or new new salespeople, Correct. sales professionals. What's the greatest piece of advice that you give them? Wow. Um, Going back to your analogy, you got to jump into the pool. Yeah, um, it is always scarier in your mind than it is in reality. Yeah, because y your mind is wired to protect you, and so it's going to tell you all the reasons why you can't do this, why they're not going to work, why the person's going to laugh at you, slam the door in your face. Right. But I'm telling you, from someone who's been in sales for most of their life, it's never that bad. Yeah. And when it does get that bad, it's an awesome story. You know, but, and, 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 it, and, and it just makes you stronger because it didn't kill you. That's it. You, you know, so, um, you know, for the new realtors who are listening, um, I'm going to tell you the piece of advice that I gave my wife, who's a new realtor, and, and she still hasn't done this yet. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I told her the day that she got her license, you, you no one's going to come to you. Right. No one's going to say, hey, list my home, sell my home. Um, you're going to go through your friends. And after you go through your friends, maybe you'll go through their friends and, and you'll post things on Facebook and this and that. I personally don't know a single realtor who got a deal off of Facebook. Yeah, me neither. Um, I mean, you, you do have to promote to show, hey, you're doing this, you're being successful. But right. I don't know someone who, who went on Facebook and said, oh, I want to I use that. No, because nobody. Just drive down your street. How many real estate signs are there? So how right. do you distinguish yourself? So the first piece of advice I told her is you need to grab a bunch of your business cards and you need to walk up and down your street and you need to let everyone know who you are and what you do. Yeah. And this is a great way for you to meet your neighbors. And yeah. I told her, go knock on the doors and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I live down the street. One of your neighbors just want to let you know. Um, we just did a CMA in the area. If you'd ever like a free That's CMA, it. you know, please let me know. I'll be more than happy. That's, That's it. Just start the conversation. That's it. And door knocking works. Yep. It just does. And... The first time I had to go out and door knock, the first time I did it, 
I was scared to death. <laughs> right. I know how I typically feel when somebody knocks on my door. Right. I know I've got the dogs going crazy. I've got to reel them in. I was probably sitting down doing something. I work from home. Odds are I was working. The last thing that I want is someone to knock on my door. Right. And I know what my reaction would typically be. Right. And that's the reaction I was expecting from everybody that opened the door. And I went, I can't do this. Right. And it was, um, it was actually my first listing that I ever got. And I did an open house the first weekend that it was listed. And I'm like, all right, I got to go door knock. I'm going to just do this. And it worked. No one yelled at me. No one had a crazy reaction to me being there. You show up at the door, they look at you. They know that you're probably not, you know, some kid that's trying to, you know, pass out flyers for this or that. They see that you look somewhat professional. They open the door. They're not selling a vacuum cleaner. That's exactly right. Right. And, you know, I met that whole neighborhood that day. Right. And, you know, over here behind me, I still have them. I've got tons of door hangers with my business cards on door hangers with this and that. And if they don't answer the door, I put a door hanger. What was the worst reaction that you got? from someone when you did that. Around how many doors did you knock on? 50. Okay, and out of the 50, what was the worst reaction? Was there, were you scarred at all? (laughs) No, no. Well, it takes a lot to scar me. Right. But no, I wasn't scarred at all. Right. I mean, and and were there some, what what was the positive in? As far as your reaction from people who. You know, I'm thinking, but the best, I probably had five of those 50 say either, you know, I'm renting this house right now Mm -hmm. and my lease is coming up in the next four or five months. And what would it take for me to be able to buy a house? Bam. All you want is a chance. And that's it. I just wanted to start that conversation. Just get up to bat. That's it. (laughs) Just let me start that conversation because I'm going to run with it. And the next, you know, we're... You know, what do you, what do you, there's a lot of curiosity. Oh, so you listed that one down the street. I saw your sign. Right. So, you know, what are, what are they asking for that house? You know, what do you think they're going to get for that house? And what do you think I can get for mine? There you go. And when I went back the next day to do the actual open house, I probably had five or six folders with me with their CMAs. Right. And before I opened the, the house, I went, knocked on the door and went, we had a good talk yesterday. I went home, did a little research for you. I ran a CMA. This is what I think you could get for your house. Take a look at it. And, you know, the number one thing from that is that that's great that you did that. And it's great that you got out there. The most important thing is the follow-up. Right. The follow-through. And you know this in sales. And, you know, it it takes, what do they say, nine touches before anybody's really going to do anything. Exactly right. Make those nine touches. And most of us stop at one, maybe two. That's it. Right. But you have to know who to touch. That's it. I mean, and again, if you if you didn't take the first step, which is honestly the hardest one. Right. Sure. If you don't take that first step, you can't take the second one. So um, I sent out a message. I got a new training class this morning. I have a new training class that, that that's almost done. And I sent out a message to them this morning. And, uh, you know, anyone who's listening, I want you guys to um, go to YouTube and find the song what are you going to do when you're not saving the world? It's by Hans Zimmer. It's a song from 
from um, uh, The Die. Man of Steel. It's not from Die Hard? Yeah, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's from The Man of Steel. I think it's Hans a, Zimmer, it's Christmas time, I think Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly right. So I, I sent them that for them to you know kind of motivate themselves, pump themselves, and I, and I added this less, little message with them. And I said, you, you know, are you ready to put on your cape and rise to the occasion? You know, um, this is the first day of the rest of your life, and the first life that you save, <clears throat> I mean change, is your own. Some people are successful because they are destined to be, but for the rest of us, it's because we have the will, the desire. We won't let our fears, our doubts, or our thoughts get in the way. Put on your armor and take your future. So that's my message for everyone. You know, um, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, um, you, you got a Superman right here, Aaron, who, you know, he's he's got a heart to teach and to help others. And, um, you know, this is the type of stuff that you need to be listening to and doing on a daily, uh, daily, because um, you, you need to listen to people who've done it before and, and walk in their shoes. I think that's a great way to end. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. You're and uh, this is the first of many that I'm sure we're going to do and uh, look forward to doing it again. Looking forward to it. Have a great day, guys. And thanks, Sean. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the next episode of the WTRE podcast. And please remember to rate us on iTunes if you like what you heard.